Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. to Dr. Rob White with the AULC Ministries. Scan the QR code to visit our website at aulc.us and find us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV and TalkShoe. The following presentation is from a new series from Dr. Rob White called Blast from the Past. In this series, Dr. Rob will feature past sermons that were recorded live. We hope you enjoy this new series. Our scripture lesson today comes from Matthew 9, 35 to 10, 23. And I'm not going to read it all, so we can be thankful for that. But a lot of verses for this. The main part of it is, when Jesus went to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness, when he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them, because they were weary and worn out like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. There's more, but may the Lord add his blessing to the reading of those words. Now, this last week, this, these verses couldn't be more prominent to our time. We lost a very good harvester, Billy Graham. So that means that we now have fewer laborers. We need more laborers. But we know what it means that when Billy's went home to be with Jesus, there will be others springing up. We know that. Now, have you ever had an opportunity to plant a seed of any kind? If you have, you know it takes a long time for that to grow, whatever it is. It's a flower or it's a tree or whatever. And it seems like after a really long time, you see a really little sprout spring up. And then after a lot more waiting, you see that it grows and it matures and it becomes a vegetable or a flower or whatever seed you planted. Now, farmers, they do this all the time, except they don't just plant one or two, they plant lots. Uh, flowers and vegetables and orchards and fruit trees and whatever. And they care for these crops over and over again. Usually several weeks have gone by and then the crop is ready for harvesting. Now we all know what it means to harvest something. We live in a rural community of farmers. We know this. When a, a fruit or a vegetable or water, corn or whatever is ripe, it's ready for the picking. And so it's best to be harvested then. 
In the Bible, Jesus talks about a harvest when he's talking about people being harvested. He says, the harvest indeed is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore that the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers into his harvest. Now there's a time in everyone's life that they're ready to hear about God. Everyone has the opportunity to accept God's love. But in order to accept God's love, they've got to hear about it first. Had a, a woman over at Ben-Hur. When I first started preaching over there, she came to me and she says, I talk to people every day about accepting Jesus, but no one listens. And I'm going, what do you mean no one listens? She says, I don't think anyone's accepted Christ because of my invitation. I said, well, the thing is, you're planting the seed. You've got to let God water it and nurture it, and then it'll be ready for the ripening. I said, when, when the time comes, you will know. And that time may be when you're in heaven, that you know how many seeds you planted and how much harvest came from that. The very next week, she came to me all overjoyed and excited, and she says, it finally happened. I led someone to Christ and they accepted. You're right. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's going to happen eventually. So she, she learned a, a very hard lesson there that we can plant seeds all day long, but we may never see them come to life. Eventually they do. It may take you planting the seed and two or three other people to water it, and then finally the person accepts Christ because of a an accident, a tragedy, or just they accept Christ because they finally heard it. In marketing and sales, they say you've got to tell someone seven times about your product before they'll finally say yes. And I'm thinking, well, seven times, if someone bugs me that much, I'm going to go get out of here. <laughs> but seven times a person has to hear is what the statistics show before they will even look at your product or think about it. So you think about sales and marketing with Christ, it's going to be the same because you're going to have to talk to someone over and over again. Maybe it takes telling them a story about what happened in your life. But planting that seed, that's the first goal. And then we may be, able to be, we may be the ones that come back later and harvest that seed. There's a time when everyone's ready to accept God. Everyone has the opportunity to accept God's love. We who've already accepted and experienced God's love need to live our lives in a manner and in a way that people can see us, God in us. And they can say, well, yeah, I can tell you're a Christian by the way you walk, by the way you talk. And if you're smoking cigarettes and drinking alcohol and getting drunk and they're gonna go, that's a Christian? I don't want any part of that unless they're the party kind, of course, but we, we want to put on a Christ-like life when we're out. When people are ready, they will see Christ in us. So Christians are like laborers in that fact that we're sent out to celebrate the harvest, but we're all sent out, also sent out to plant the seeds as well. Now, when you see a desperate situation, what do you usually do? Some people will back far away from it. Other people will just jump right in 
They'll go where angels fear to trod because they want to fix things. Now, sometimes they succeed in fixing things, but other times they just kind of muddy the waters up. Kind of when I try to fix something at home. I usually am not that successful. <laughs> and I muddy the waters a lot. But it's frustrating to a lot of people to just sit and not do anything. They gotta take action, whether it helps or not. Now, this kind of frustrates my wife when I do things like this, but the author of Ecclesiastics reminds us there's a time for everything under the sun. There's a time for jumping in, there's a time for standing back. There's a time for stirring the waters and there's a time for letting the sediment settle. There's a time for acting and there's a time for listening. Now there's the word right there, listening. My wife would be delighted if I would just stop and listen sometimes. But I try, but a lot of times I muddy the waters. Now, if there's something wrong with the toilet, it's okay for me to try to fix it. Priorities, you know. So, now Jesus was a doer. He went out to all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, curing every disease and every illness. He had great compassion for the crowds. He worked very hard to meet their needs. But, like you know yourself, on any big job, one man can't do it by himself. Jesus needed help, so he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Now, do you remember what he said next? Because you would almost expect him to say, now, get out of here, go to work. You might think, he might even say, get busy, do something. You might say, I'm counting on you. But he doesn't say that. Instead, he says, the harvest indeed is plentiful, the laborers are few. Then listen carefully to what he says next. Pray, therefore, that the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers into his harvest. Now, that's interesting here because Jesus said this was a desperate situation. The harvest was ready, but the laborers were few. There was not enough hands to bring it all in. Now, most of us are far removed from a farm that we don't have this sense of urgency unless you grew up on a farm. And to understand that farmers spend the best part of their year getting ready for one thing, that's the harvest. They spend the winter getting their equipment ready, mending fences. In the springtime, he'll plow and plant and fertilize. Then he irrigates and sprays for weeds and fertilizes some more. Then at the end of the season, the crops mature and they're ready for harvest. At this point, the farmer had better be ready because if the crop isn't harvested when it's ready, it'll go to seed or it'll rot on the vine or it falls to the ground. It becomes rendered worthless by rain as we've seen around some farmers around here already. A farmer can lose a hard year's work in a week or sometimes just a day. So the desperation of the situation was the harvest indeed is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And he says, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers into his harvest. In this desperate situation, Jesus doesn't tell the disciples to go to work. He says, pray. And I find that amazing. Just imagine if you're at your job and your boss walks up to you and said, this is a very important time in our company here. We are looking at the opportunity of a lifetime here. So this could make or break us. This could send us into bankruptcy or this could be the best thing of the year. We've got to give it what we got. 
Go pray. You're not going to hear your boss say that, are you? He's going to say, now, we're going to do this, so go. He's not going to tell you to go pray. But if your boss did tell you that, you'd go, um, okay, I'll be right back. Your boss will say that there are goals, there's a plan here. We've got to do this. We've got to come together. We've got to be a team. Okay, now you go do it. I'm going to go to my office and have a cup of coffee. He's not going to get out and do it. He's going to delegate. The employees are going to leave and they're going to go, well, there's another rock in my pack or how long before this blows over and he comes up with another harebrained scheme or what can I do to get another job or what was that all about? Boss is saying I'm better off, I'd better go pray. Well, that's not right. We live in difficult times though, so maybe perhaps we should pray and pray for those who make all the rules and make things better. I'm reminded when my wife will tell me, I'm gonna tell you about something. I don't want you to do anything. I want you to listen. She's told me that before. Just don't do it, just hear me out. And it's hard. It's hard for me because when she says, this needs to be done, all right, well, let's figure out how we're gonna do it. She goes, no, 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 you, you listen first. Between the two of us, we can usually figure anything out. It strengthens relationships and it helps solve problems, but praying will do that too. Jesus says the harvest indeed is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And then he says, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers into his harvest. Now Jesus tells us to pray, but no, he prays about his harvest. The harvest is God's. We have a role to play in the harvest and we need to keep it in perspective. It's only by grace and by the power of God that there will be a harvest. We need to pray that God will take charge of the harvest and provide laborers for that harvest. God has his whole church available and we don't have to do it all of ourselves. We need to pray that God will send in the troops, bugles blowing, flags, wa flags waving, and hearts are full of faith. Our prayer will prepare us for the task. Our asking will help fit us for our role. You don't just go into the military or into a job or whatever, and they say, okay, this is your job, and you go do it. You gotta be trained. You've got different skill sets than somebody else. And so your boss or your commanding officer or whatever it is, is going to say, okay, you've got these skill sets. I think you should be here. This is the job for you. You can do this. Maybe a little bit of training, but go for it. That's the way it works in God's army too. He will fit us into our role. He won't tell everyone that they need to be a pastor. You need to stand behind a pulpit. Maybe you're going to help with a soup kitchen or you're going to uh, do a Bible study or whatever. He's going to fit you into your role. The time we spend with God will reshape us to become the proper tool in God's hands. Once we've prayed, then we go. We proclaim the good news, we cure the sick, we raise the dead, we cleanse the lepers, and we cast out demons. Once we pray, we find ourselves working through God's power. Nothing's impossible with God, and when God's on our side, better yet, when we are at God's side, we can't fail. Norman Vincent Peale 
once told about addressing a Methodist conference in Atlanta, Georgia. In his sermon, Peel told the congregation that God can change our life. No matter how hopeless the person might seem, never lose hope. After that service, Peel met with three other ministers in the pastor's office. While they were talking, someone interrupted to say that there was a man wanting to see the senior pastor. The pastor told the secretary to send him in. The man came in, he was unshaven, he was dirty, he was smelling of alcohol, and he had been in the congregation and he had heard Peel's message. He looked right at Peel and he says, do you really believe that Jesus can help me? Peel responded without a doubt. The man asked for prayer. The four ministers gathered around to pray for him. And after the man left, the bishop says, well, if that man changes, we'll all be surprised, won't we? Now note that the bishop didn't close the door on the possibility that the man might change. He just noted the unhappy reality that change is difficult and many people don't change. Six months later, Peel was sitting in a hotel lobby in Clearwater, Florida. A man approached him. The man was well-dressed, had two little girls in tow, and at first, Peel didn't recognize him. Then, as the man came closer, Peel realized he was the drunk whom he had prayed for in Atlanta. God had answered those prayers. This man was a new man. He was living a new life. He had come to thank Peel for imparting faith on that day six months ago. Peel said that it was one of the most emotional and unforgettable experiences of his life. Jesus calls us to go and to proclaim the good news and to cure the sick and to raise the dead and to cleanse the lepers and to cast out demons. But first he calls us to pray because we cannot on our own power proclaim the good news or cure the sick or raise the dead or cleanse the lepers or cast out demons. But God can and God will if we first devote our lives to prayer. A lot of times people will say, well, my life just doesn't seem to change. I pray every now and again, but nothing happens. When you get up in the morning, if the first thing you do is pray and pray for a good day, pray for good results at the doctor's office, whatever, you start your day off with prayer and then you pray throughout the day and then at the end of the day, before you go to sleep, you pray. God's going to hear you. It's going to make a difference in your lives. I know many of you have devotions that you do in the mornings. That's super. And you do those devotions just like the Jewish families used to do. They used to do them all day long. They would start off in the early morning all the way till night to go to bed. And they would do devotions. They would talk and talk about the scriptures and they would teach their kids that. We need to continue that even when we're adults and we don't have kids anymore. We need to continue to do that to learn the scriptures. Prayer and God will change things. And so they will. That's our Lord's message for this Lord's Day. To go out this week, be a blessing and be blessed. Because the more you're a blessing, the more you will be blessed. Thank you all for coming. Thank you for watching and listening to Dr. Rob White with the AULC Ministries. Athens Universal Life Church is a not-for-profit 501c3 organization. This production is an AULC Studios video production. Copyright 2012-2023. All rights reserved.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.